Um, we've been doing profile slots a little bit in the church. Um, it's Rosemary. Yes. Hi. You were hoping this would get avoided, weren't you? Um, I would like to invite Rosemary up, um, and she's going to share with us for a little bit um, just first. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, um, we do a thing on Tuesday afternoons at Here for Good, which has been running for more than 20 years, um, where over 60s can come and have fellowship and have tea and hang out together and experience community. Um, and for a long time, I think for the whole time that I've um, been around here, um, you've been a part of that group and you now lead it. Is that right? Or were you always leading it even? Okay, um, so I'm going to ask Rosemary a few questions about Meeting Point because it's an incredible thing um, that we as a church are a part of and that Rosemary, week after week after week after week after week, shows up and supports these um, uh, women and shows them love and kindness. Um, so I'm going to ask some questions and then I'm going to give you the microphone um, and we'll share. Um, I didn't think to set up two microphones, so we're going to do like... Da -da. Um, so firstly, um, Rosemary... How long have you been involved with Meeting Point? About, about nine or ten years. Okay. Now I ask the next question, you're allowed to hold the microphone, okay? We're building up. Um, nine or ten years. Okay. Oh, that's very good. Um, what's been, like, a massive highlight for you of, say, like, the last year of Meeting Point? Are there moments that stand out as, like, oh, that was a real highlight of what we do? Um, yes. I, I remember one time when Jenny was here, um, we... Uh, she, uh, I think she did some teaching and asked anyone whether she, they wanted prayer. And all of them, except for one lady, um, received prayer. And I think that was fantastic. Another time, which was a bit more than a year, is we, ha we celebrated someone's naughty birthday. But their naughty birthday was 100. Um, and this lady only lives just across the road. Um, and that's fantastic that she comes. The only thing is that she's getting a bit, um, um, not unsteady on her legs, a little bit, and is nervous about crossing the road to get down to meeting point. So anyone who's got a car or anybody available with value lifts on a Tuesday afternoon. And I know some people in the congregation have helped, like Vino and Paul Glennie. So that, that's been, yeah, some of the highlights. Yeah, that's awesome. So awesome work that happens, um, but increasingly, I think, is true. There's issues, aren't there, around transportation and lifts and things like that. So um, if, what, if the upshot of us having this little chat now is you, that you think, oh, I've sometimes got some time free on a Tuesday afternoon and I would love to be incredibly helpful, then please do come and talk to us. Um, afterwards. Now, obviously, um, meeting point happens on Tuesday afternoons, but um, the more we've chatted, the more I've become aware that for you, meeting point is a l takes up a little bit more of your time and life and energy than that. Can you talk a little bit about um, the kind of meeting point community outside of Tuesdays and how you're involved in people's lives through the week? Yeah, I feel like I've, I feel called to um, meeting with the elderly. Um, and I feel that they need, just as uh, you may be pastored by other people here, um, I feel um, there's a pastoral call to look after these elderly other than just coming on a Tuesday. So I have visited many in the homes when they've gone into hospital and maybe take some of them to the hosp hospital appointments now and again. So 
it is a bit more than just meeting on a Tuesday. It's having a relationship with them during the week as well. Um, and most of them have got my phone number, so if they needed any help, if they haven't got family around, then they need some help. So it's become far more than like a let's meet for tea group. And it's much more of like this community, which basically Rosemary pastors. Isn't that awesome? Um, and such a kind of, yeah, just such a, I just love this. Sorry, I'm going to embarrass you a bit. Um, but such a willingness just to give of herself um, to that group. And we just don't see it most of the time. But this is all happening. This is all happening. Isn't that exciting? This is all happening. Um, okay, obviously, sometimes leading a group is great and easy and lovely, and sometimes things are really tricky, and I'm sure there have been a lot of challenges over the past nine or ten years. Um, what, what's led you to stick with it and still be doing it? What keeps you going through challenges at Meeting Point? Well, I just think it's God, God's calling, um, and I think God wants me to care for the elderly. And it does say in Leviticus Chapter 19, verse 32. Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Um, and I feel that's why I do it. And I feel a calling, like people feel calling, like you feel calling to this ministry. I feel calling to work with the elderly. Good, good answer. Um, what are some of the main challenges facing Meeting Point at the moment? You've mentioned kind of like lifts and cars. Um, maybe that is the main one, but how would you describe like the main challenges facing the group, the ministry? Um, I think quite a lot in the group at the moment are getting very frail, so they're not able to come as often as they would possibly like. So that is the, one of the biggest issues, and we would like to, if you know we've got friends or, or people, your neighbours who are elderly, and you live in the local area, then invite, tell them that there's a group here, because we do need numbers. Um, and I think, I think one of the challenges I found this year was we have a lady who's got dementia, um, and gets very, can get very agitated. So that's been a real challenge, and we've sort of worked out what can keep her nigh. What helps her is probably doing some colouring or drawing or something to distract her from her anxieties and worries that she has. So that's been one of the challenges. Um, yeah. And I've got a good team. I've got Mary, who's here. Uh, um, well, she was here, but has gone out of the room. Oh, she's gone out of the room with one child. Um, and I want to wish her a happy birthday. It's her birthday today. Um, and Cor lovely, faithful Corinne, who's been going to the group for near enough when it started. And she's great help. And Phil, who helps out. So I do have a good team. Perfect. Um, how can we, uh, obviously, we want to think about all that we do as a church in kind of a joined up way. How can we as a church, like, better support or more support at the work of Meeting Point? Pray, pray for these elderly people. If you want to know more, you can ask me more about them. Um, and obviously, lifts, um, if anyone's available with transport. Um, yeah, definitely praying about them because they don't all know God, don't always all believe in, in Jesus. And I think that's my biggest issue is I don't really want them passing into the next world without knowing the Lord um, and that, that 
I feel that's very sad if they get injured. Awesome. Um, one of the, so, yeah, so if, if this little, I mean, we've just been doing this for like three or four minutes, um, but if this is like, oh, I think I should know more about that, I think maybe I should want to kind of get involved in some way, whether it's contributing time, whether it's praying. Um, one of the things we'd like to do is we've got all these different community groups, but sometimes we forget to have like organized ways of like praying for them together. Um, and so one thing we'd quite like to do is have a little group of people who feel especially called to pray for different ministries in the church. And then you get regular updates and you can pray. So if you're interested in being a part of a group like that for Meeting Point and you want to kind of hear a little bit and you're like, actually, I'm willing to pray, maybe while the group's happening or maybe for individual uh, people who come to the group, um, then please, please, please come and talk to Rosemary. Is that okay? Uh, come and talk to Rosemary um, afterwards. But what I think would be really good to do now is just to honor this beautiful piece of our stained glass window that is Rosemary and Meeting Point and that work by a few of us coming up and praying, or maybe loads of us coming up and praying. And we're going to imagine um, the other team here as well. But can we um, come up and pray and support Rosemary in prayer just for a minute? Is that all right? So if people, if you're just willing to, just come up. It could be five or 30 or all of us. It doesn't matter. Um, and just gather around, and a few of us can pray for this work. Um, good. Next thing. Um, and this is the last thing kind of before um, we look at some scripture and do some uh, text work, as it were, um, is that <laughs> um, a few weeks ago I um, announced here that I was uh, moving on. Um, that's still true, by the way, before you think I've been like, <laughs> I've changed my mind. Um, uh, but then I've actually had conversations with people this week who are like, What? Um, and so, obviously, we haven't been particularly good at communicating the fact that, um, uh, that I'm stepping down. So I really apologize for that. I'm not sharing the news very well. Um, but in mid-November, um, I, well, for, the, for basically the last kind of seven, eight months now, six, seven, eight months, um, I've been in conversation with a uh, lovely Baptist church in Brighton. Um, and the kind of upshot of that conversation um, has been that in November um, we'll move as a family to Brighton and be a part of that church and serve in that church. Um, it feels so, so exciting because a new opportunity and just really, really weird as I think about leaving here and leaving you guys and leaving um, this place. Um, and so it will kind of be simultaneously like, hey, isn't it exciting to step into a new season? But as is always the case, I guess, with stepping into a new season, but particularly when um, with things like this, where actually this, this work is about so much more than just work, isn't it? It's about relationship, and it's about family, and it's about being together. Um, so Melissa and I are going to really, really miss this place. We're going to really, really miss you um, when we leave. Martha won't care because she'll have snacks still. Um, and Eleanor will just think, oh, what's that sound in the air all the time? Seagulls. Um, um, but Melissa and I will, will really, really miss you, and we won't forget Forest Hill very quickly. Um, give us at least a few weeks. Um, but uh, So do come down. I'm trying to convince people one by one that maybe a move to the seaside is what the Lord has for you as well. So uh, just prayerfully consider it. Um, always be uh, grateful. Um, yeah, and do please pray for us. We're going through the process at the moment of trying to find somewhere that might be home um, in terms of a house, um, which is really kind of like, okay, there's kind of a time pressure, and also we really want to find a place that is 
like right for us as a family. I was getting a bit aggy about it this week, and then Pat rebuked me. Where are you, Pat? Um, it's just like, Sam, basically, uh, I'm going to do it in my language, but she's like, basically, Sam, chill out. God's got it. Um, he's leading you this far. He's got a place. So please pray for us to keep that sense of peace and to keep a sense of calm and to enjoy the process a little bit. Um, yeah. Is that all good? Yay. Cool. Um, Good. Okay. We have been looking at our church values together over the past couple of weeks. We're spending September um, going through four kind of core values that we, we've not just kind of created, really. We've kind of discovered um, or kind of pinned down that as a church, if we do these four things well, if we live by these four things, we'll represent quite close to what God is calling us to do. Um, and so Nigel, um, a couple of weeks ago, spoke on um, what it means that we want to be a church where everyone is welcome, everyone welcome, and how the gospel is fundamentally for everybody. It's not for some, it's not for these people or those people, it's for all of us. This invitation that Jesus makes to us is for all of us without exception. And so we as a church need to model this kind of inclusive, uh, generous gospel that Jesus was so, so keen on imparting. Um, So that's number one. And then last week, um, he looked at everyone growing. We believe that as a church, no one in this room gets to kind of graduate and finish the journey of discipleship. It never finishes. If, if, it, if we stop growing, if we stop learning, and if we stop moving on in, with what Jesus is saying to us in our lives, then there is a serious, serious problem. All of us are called to the journey of discipleship. When I am um, in kind of previous contexts, people have used the word discipleship as like something you do immediately after you become a Christian that then kind of you, you've kind of done it. So like you're discipled. Um, whereas we think actually that journey, yeah, I mean, it might happen quite quickly afterwards, but that journey is never one that we complete. We need to be people who are always learning, always growing, are always listening. What is Jesus calling me into now? Um, thirdly, where we're going today, everyone involved, that the church is exactly as has already been shared this morning. The church it needs the contribution of every one of its parts. If you're a part of this church, it's not just because the church has something for you, but it's because you have a contribution from the Holy Spirit for the church. And we need you. We need everyone in this room to be in a place of health and in a, not, not just health, but, but in a kind of, you know what I mean, in a healthy place to be able to contribute to the life of the church. And we're going to explore that a little bit more today. And then finally, next week, everyone going. All of us have a responsibility to play our part in the mission of God in the world. Is that fair? Um, And so we want everything that we do as a church to be thinking about how we can be active, not just just far away but close, but both um, all over the... uh, Well, basically, we're open to what God is calling us into as he wants to build his kingdom and spread the good news of Jesus. And as we're going to look at in a moment, bring all things in in the cosmos together into unity under Christ. And he wants us to be a part of that. And so he wants all of us as individuals to be a part of that. And he wants all that we do as a church to be a part of that. So that's basically where we're going this month. Is that all right? Excellent. So today, number three, everyone involved. 
gift. Now, last week, um, Nigel used a passage from um, Ephesians to help us think about spiritual growth. He was looking at Ephesians 4. Um, We're going to look at Ephesians 4 again today because it also speaks loads about how the Spirit calls us to be um, kind of interdependently involved together um, in church life. But just before we do that, um, we're going to go back a little bit and think just really briefly about the way that Paul talks about the church in the book of Ephesians. If you don't know, Ephesians is basically Paul's New Testament letter, funnily enough, to the church in Ephesus, but it's really the one where he gets the most excited and the most clear about his theology of the church. What is God doing in the church? What is this church thing um, all about? And so in Ephesians chapter 1, he goes to town and set, like there's all this amazing stuff about um, how the love of God is, is, is shown in Jesus and it's bringing everything together. He says, um, uh, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In other words, the purpose of God in the universe is massive to bring everything under Christ, to make everything well, or as Revelation puts it, to make all things new. That's not a small purpose, is it? Um, And so the reconciliation that we experience as church, the good news that we experience as church, the, the new relationship that we experience with God in the church was never meant just to be for here. It's God's intention that the whole of the cosmos experiences that reconciliation of relationship with God, of reconciliation of relationship with other, with each other. That in some ways, what God is doing here is kind of, I've heard it talked about as the pilot project for the whole universe. Isn't that exciting? So then the church is kind of the starting point. It's the birthing point um, for that to happen. Um, Paul talks about the church in chapter 2 as the place where um, God has destroyed uh, kind of infighting, he's destroyed rivalry. And so in the church, we've got this representative community of what reconciliation and mutual community can look like, even across difference. Um, So then in chapter 3, he keeps being excited about the church. He says, um, where is this? Oh, yeah. Um, So if we look at 3, verse 9 and 10, Paul's talking about the mystery that's been hidden for all the ages. Um, The mystery is the gospel. It's the good news that God actually really loves you, um, that Jesus is for you, that Jesus is the full revelation of who God has been all along and his heart for us um, and the newness for us. And that's what Paul means by mystery. It's something that is, is just being revealed. It's being constantly revealed. Um, And so the mystery, he said, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. In other words, the church becomes kind of a display station for what the kingdom of God looks like for everywhere else. Isn't that cool? It's like a huge responsibility. And Paul even says here, this is like for the principalities and powers to take note. That's like, um, Paul means a lot of different things by when he says principalities and powers. So it's like these unseen spiritual forces look at the church and think, whoa, can't mess with that. Like, look at what God is doing in and through the church. 
Is that how you think about Forest Hill all the time? We forget that, don't we? We forget that the church is like this cosmic plan of God to display what he's like, to display his heart for the whole of creation. That's what he wants for us to be. And so um, he's building all this up, right? And he's talking loads about the church, and it's really exciting. So the church is not just a group of people who think similar things about some things. The church is like this pilot project for the universe where God is drawing all things together, and it begins here. It begins in this community in some way. So then what's Paul going to say next about how we can do that? Where's he going to go? Because Ephesians 1 to 3 is all about the kind of theology of what God's doing in the universe and how the church interacts with that. Ephesians 4 to 6, Paul goes into really good detail, giving us everything that we need to know about how to be that community, how to be that pilot project really, really well. So what's he going to say? Is he going to tell us how to run amazing revival meetings, how to do great promotion of the gospel? Is he going to tell us how to um, do excellent community projects that never, ever, ever stop? Is he going to um, tell us how to disciple 12 people who then disciple 12 people who then disciple 12 people? Is he going to um, tell us how to lead a small group in a Bible study? Is he going to um, tell us how to kind of market the message of Jesus in a culturally, contemporarily relevant way? I mean, I asked all those questions in such a way that you would think, no, didn't I? Quite right. Very good. You're all on point. No. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Are you ready? This is where he tells us how it's done. And it's big. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Great, Paul. How do I do that? Be completely humble and gentle. Okay? Bit of an anticlimactic start, but we'll see where he goes. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Now listen, as we talk about church involvement, as we talk about being a church where everyone is involved, um, maybe I should use a different mic. What do you think? Do you want to set me up with a cable one? Uh, is that okay? Are we okay? We'll just carry on. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm fine with it. Um, but it's so easy to jump in when we're thinking about everyone involved just to think, oh, this is about what I do. This is about, Sam's going to tell me that I need to be more involved, I need to do more work, I need to give more money, I need to be a part of more groups, I need to be in leadership in more things, and I should jolly well step up. Well, we'll get there, but not yet. Um, The first thing that Paul calls us to learn about what it means that we are involved together, what it means to be involved in this community thing called church, is that involvement is, first of all, not about what we do, but it's about our heart. Is your heart in the church? Do we love each other? That actually the way that we look after and care for each other, the way that we're patient and humble with each other, the way that we speak to each other, the way that we notice each other, the way that we look at each other, and the way that we value each other, besides completely regardless of the skills and talents that we have, 
That's the key thing. You know, whenever Paul talks about spiritual gifts in the New Testament, wherever it happens, he always comes back to the key thing. The key thing isn't the, how busy you are being busy together like a well-oiled machine. The key thing is how do you love each other? That is the way that we're called to be first involved as church. So in Romans um, 12, he's speaking about the gifts. And then he says to the people, he's like, do you understand that like members in a body, you belong to each other? Just let that impact of that phrase hit us for a moment. We belong to each other. That's a funny way of putting it. It's a really vulnerable way of putting it, isn't it? It requires me to kind of give myself away a bit to this community. It requires me to be maybe slightly less guarded. That's interesting. Mother Teresa um, talked about this. She said, um, if we have no peace, I think she was talking wider context, like big context, but it equally applies just even in a local church. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. What does that mean? What's, what's the Holy Spirit? Before we think about all the spiritual gifts and doing more stuff, what does it mean for us to be a community that belongs to each other? And maybe, like, maybe that, for, for some of us, is like the main thing that you need to think about after this morning. Is, is there a sense in which your heart has become a little bit checked out from this church or from the community of God generally? Are we all in? Are we like really serious, not just about getting things done, but about each other? Do you notice when people aren't here for a few weeks? Do you, like, do you care for each other? Like when someone's sick, do we care for them for like a week? Do we look after them for longer? At what point do they, does our patience kind of run a bit dry? Do you know what I mean? Like how are we doing there? Because if we're not doing well there, we're not doing well anywhere. Do you remember 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14? Like the biggest sections in the Bible where Paul deals with the issue of spiritual gifts. And what's in the middle? The marriage bit. Except it's not, is it? 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about. It says you, you can speak in all the tongues. He's talking to a church. He's not talking to an individual. He's like, if we speak in all these different, in different tongues, and you might think you're being very spiritual and, and cool, like tongues is awesome. But if you don't have love, it's a complete waste of time. You can prophesy, but if you don't have love, it's a waste of time. You might be skilled as you like. You might have a church where all the programs happen, where everything is well-funded, where the pastors get pay rises every year, where everything looks like it's working well. Not that that would be a sign that everything's working well, but, you know, you just drop that in your mind. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that actually, that means completely nothing if the way that we're doing community isn't full of love and patience, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness. In other words, basically, the fruit of the Spirit comes integrally. Sometimes we obsess about the gifts of the Spirit, and we forget about the fruit of the Spirit. It kind of becomes an optional extra. Um, when, uh, when Melissa was on her gap year years ago in France, oh, maybe it was a gap year. I think it was a university, mid-university year, um, I went to her church down there once, and I couldn't understand most of what the pastor was saying, but I was really proud of myself that I understood a little bit of what he was saying. So I felt really good about it. And that's why I remembered his talk. Um, and he said, you, you want to know the sign that the Holy Spirit's at work in the community? Don't look for spiritual gifts. The sign that the Holy Spirit's at work in a community? Look for love. Look for the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, of course, he's making half a point, right? He's making half a point because we really do want to be open to the spiritual gifts. We really do want to be open to what the Spirit is stirring in every one of us here. And the contribution that you have to make is absolutely key. But if we don't start here, if we don't start with love, if we don't finish with love, if it doesn't all come back to love, it really is nothing. I don't think I'm putting that too strongly. Is that fair? And so the key challenge here, everyone involved, how are we involved in this work, in this beautiful work of being an example of the gospel in, the cre- in creation by showing love and kindness and patience and listening and seeing each other? Um, Henri Nouwen is a guy that I basically try and quote in every day of my life because, oh, my days. If you haven't read, okay, if you're looking for a book, read Henri Nouwen's book, Spiritual Formation. And it's like a book on discipleship and, and, and learning and growth by this amazing, nuts guy. He was awesome. Um, he's dead now. I feel like most of the really cool people are dead now. Um, Jesus is alive. Um, he said this, Spiritual community is primarily a quality of the heart that enables us to unmask the illusions of our competitive society. That's the way he writes. Um, and look straight at reality. In and through community, we come to recognize each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and sons and daughters of the same God. And you think about it. Think how countercultural that is. Think how if the church really modeled that well, think of the resonance that that would create throughout society that just doesn't do this. In, in an age where we're taught to view people through a specific kind of lens, where we're taught to see someone as other because they disagree with us or because they're from a different politics to us or whatever, um, this actually unmasks the illusion of a competitive society. Don't we want a church to be like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's be all in. Let's be everyone involved. Amen? Good. That was part one. Now, then he goes on. Because it doesn't stop there, which is fine. He says, but to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it said, when he ascended on high, amen, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, Jesus didn't actually have a train. Just, so just put that out of your mind. There's a picture of a little steam train rolling down with captives in it. Um, but... To, to spot that word right in that first sentence, to each of us, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Um, Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. How many of us does that leave out? Not many, right? Every one of us is given the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and something to offer to the local church. Um, there is, this is the kind of core thing here. This is really core. Is there is no one in this room that has nothing to offer to this community. There is no one in this room that God hasn't put his Holy Spirit on with something unique and vibrant and different and beautiful that we really, really need for this community to be all it is. Just like was being shared um, earlier, I just love those two um, words and images. The stained glass window, if there's one piece missing, the picture is not complete. 
And that's true in a church as well. If we ever get to the stage where we aren't all piled in with what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, then the picture is not complete. If we ever get to the stage where the church values certain parts of the picture and doesn't value others, where we listen, where we look at certain parts of the picture and we don't look at others, where we notice certain parts of the picture and we don't look at others, um, that is not the full picture of what the body of Christ is called to be. Um, Everyone in this room, if you're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is on you and you have something to contribute and we really as a church we really really need it we really really need it we really need to value um, what everyone in this room has had to bring sometimes christians get a bit stuck on this because we kind of have gauges of anointing that we talk about so we might talk about someone i might go to a, a big conference and see someone and be like man they are so anointed as if like there are certain members of the church who have a lot of anointing and certain members of the church who have almost none or certain members of the church who are really valuable like oh man if they stop being a part of the church God's purposes in the world would be really scuppered but if that person over there left don't know if Jesus would notice that much sort of thing does that make sense Um, and that is just such a accidentally pervasively heretical (laughs) way of seeing the anointing of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit isn't poured out on you more than anyone else, and it isn't poured out on anyone else more than it's available to you. The Holy He is available to you. They are available to you. Um, The Holy Spirit is is all about all of us, Um, and so, yeah, it's just that's just really crucial. Um, There are kind of two dangers that people fall into um, in this, Uh, and Paul goes to both of them in one Corinthians twelve. He says the danger number one is that you might think that you're the one who's not as valuable as that person over there. That maybe because, I think this got talked about a little bit earlier, that maybe because, you know, they're the worship leader or they are the kind of pioneer leader of that project or they're doing this thing that's really up front, but I'm just doing this and so they're more important than me. Um, And so Paul talks about it. In fact, let's go there just for a moment because this is really important. You all still awake? Awesome. Are we having fun? Oh dear. I wasn't hoping that we'd have fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what does he say? Uh, Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye... I don't belong to the body. It would, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Just be a huge ear. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Do you get the sense there? There's all this difference. There's all this variety, and it all comes from the Holy Spirit. All that God is wanting to do in this room depends on us celebrating the variety of gifts that are in this room, the variety of expressions of the presence of God that are in this room. And no one here gets to say, I am not important to that process. You might not have found a context for what, you, for what you feel the Holy Spirit doing in you yet. You might not have even learned to identify what it is that the Holy Spirit's doing in you yet. And that's totally okay. But there is something. 
There is so much, and it's crucially important that we as a church help each other suss those things out a little bit. Does that make sense? Second danger is this, um, that, that someone else isn't as valuable as me because they don't have the same gift as me. So verse 21, um, still in 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Do you see where he's coming back to? It's coming back to this thing of unity again. Do you see? Coming back to this thing of what kind of a community are we again? Um, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. This is so key. Um, no one in this room is like just, uh, is not important. No one is just, um, yeah, you understand. So there's this huge variety of what God is doing. Um, The lists, uh, let's do uh, Ephesians 4 again. It says this. So this is how the Holy Spirit's poured out among us, right? Um, Yeah, I could go back and do a bit more, but run out of time, so won't. Um, This is how the Holy Spirit's poured out. It was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ um, may be built up. That actually, do you see how those things work together? It wasn't that everyone was supposed to be an apostle and some people missed out, or that everyone should be a prophet and some people miss out, or that everyone should be uh, gifted as an evangelist and some people miss out, or that everyone should be a pastor and that some people just aren't quite up to it, which, you know, Uh, or that everyone should be a teacher and that some people just aren't quite up to it. Actually, God never intended that. He never intended for you to have all of the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't want you to have all the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know any ideas why? What would happen if he gave me all the gifts of the Spirit? Yeah. How many other people do I need in my life? None. But if you have something and God is doing something in you and I learn to recognize, wow, that's beautiful. Look at that gift of prophecy. I want to be open. I want to receive that. I want to honor it. I want to listen to it. I want to hear it. And not just so that I can get it, but because all of that draws us together. It helps us to be this one body. Just like when Adam was created. It's like, this is not good that Adam is alone. I want to create community. I want to create this one suited for him. That's how we're designed to be. We're designed to be interdependent. Um, yeah, that's good. So uh, all these different gifts. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, there's tons of different gifts. If we had 14 hours, we could go through them all. But basically, it's saying this. There's tons of different ways that God blesses us with his Holy Spirit. And some of them look really ordinary, 
And some of them look really extraordinary. They're all the work of the Holy Spirit. I love that in this church, um, I was just thinking through, like, some of, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Like, some of the giftings and the um, talents that we see. And I was thinking, in this church, we've got amazing musicians. We've got amazing artists. We've got fantastic prayer warriors who are like a dog with a bone and don't give up. We like, um, we've got amazing uh, prophets and theological minds and historians and brilliant mathematicians and finance gurus without which all would be lost. Um, We've got dancers and evangelists and um, experts in emotional and physical health, and those things are so important. We've got sporty people and processy people and teachers and all sorts. And we could just go on forever, couldn't we? Because actually, look at that variety. Now, what the, the, the key thing here is that variety is the variety gifted to us by the Holy Spirit. It's not an accident. It's beautiful. And we're called to celebrate um, and develop and invest in that variety together. So it may be that there's spiritual gifts, that there's kind of obviously spiritual gifts that you're like, actually, I want more of that. I want to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to birth in my life. But it may be that there's other things that, um, uh, that you're already aware of that you need to bring. Like maybe you're already aware. Actually, I'm flipping good at art and design and I've uh, maybe I'm really great at articulating things or I'm great at writing and then the challenge is to think about how to draw those things in something we need to avoid then is thinking that one of those is spiritual and one of them is not they're both gifts of the Holy Spirit everything I am comes from the Lord anyway right and so it's all a gift from God all of this is a gift from God to you hallelujah amen so um (laughs) Then, uh, just to kind of round off, then the key thing is that we learn to develop these things together. Everyone involved doesn't mean that we all start with all our giftings and skills and talents kind of at, uh, what's it called, GCSE 1, or no, 9. 9? Is 9 good? Which one's good? 9. You don't start at GCSE 9. You don't start at A-level, A-star, star, 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 or how many they've added now. Um, but, uh, but that we learn to develop together. So Paul writes this in Ephesians 4. From Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does this work. Do you get the sense that this is a living organism that Paul is talking about that is in the process of growing? And the process of growing is painful. The process of growing is kind of interesting and different. Um, and so, yeah, basically it's an invitation to try things, really, to get involved, to think, hey, I wonder what I could be involved with in this church and just give it a go. It might go really badly. Um, a little while ago, maybe six or seven years ago, um, when Luke and I worked together, we had some interesting times. Um, and one of them... Um, but we kept having these really weird ideas that for some amazingly beautiful reason, Nige would let us try. So <laughs> one of them was we had this youth event called Sound, and it was lovely, and we thought, and the other Sound team thought, let's do something called Sound Out, where we have like a weekend of local mission, and we get involved in local projects, and we show these young people that their faith is so much more than what they just do inside a church. Um, it's actually about how we serve. It's about how we reach out. Great idea, right? Um, But (laughs) because we weren't all that experienced and we were young and we were stupid, we forgot that maybe something that might need to be worked on with such an event is something that we later heard is referred to as a budget. (laughs) 
And so <laughs> in the process of having a great and very spiritual weekend, like a few days afterwards, Nigel was like, um, <laughs> how much did you guys end up, you know, what, where's, like, did, you, did your outgoing match your income? Like, how did it go? I had to go to Gordon, who's like our finance guy, and ask him to repay me 800 pounds worth of expenses <laughs> that we hadn't allowed for in our budget. We overspent by 800 pounds. And that led to a really helpful conversation about how we might want to plan for next year. But isn't it awesome that, <laughs> that Nigel let us try it? Isn't that awesome? That we have this kind of church where he let us try it. That like that same year, <laughs> Nigel let us try something else which is just astounding to me, just really beautiful. He, we had this idea, hey, we've got this really creative way of communicating the Christmas message. Let's base it around Herod's massacre of the infants <laughs> and call it Baby Hunt and get everyone running around the Sydenham High Street chasing this baby who might come and change everything and that would create this really subversive message. Now, <laughs> let me tell you, if I was Nigel, I don't think I'd have had the confidence to just let us have a go. But he let us have a go. And that's the kind of church that we're a part of. We get to let each other have a go. We get to let each other make mistakes and hold each other. And there was a kind of safety around it, and it was great, and it was really good. But isn't that awesome that we get to be a church where, like, we don't want the band to be perfect every week. It was great this morning. We don't want it to be perfect every week because that means we're not growing. That means new people aren't starting. We don't want this to be great every week because that means that people aren't starting or it means that I'm preaching. It's fine. Um, and, we, like, we're not called to excellence all the time. We're called to growth. And we're called to try stuff and to move into new things. This is a living organism. Um, with, but that doesn't mean that everyone here needs to hear a guilt trip message today where you just need to step up and get involved more either. Um, because like when a part of your body is injured, you don't just make it carry on with the work, do you? Um, I know this particularly at the moment because um, it's been quite a change in my life recently. And... I've started going to the gym. I know. It didn't all just come from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I went with Eleanor once. She's much stronger than me. <laughs> really, really good. Um, anyway, uh, but the, basically, if it's been a good gym session, right, and if things have gone well, and if I've really pushed myself, like the five times I've been already, um, then I know about it because the next day, bits of my body that didn't used to hurt really, really hurt. They feel very, very floppy uh, and kind of dead. Now, that's like the process of growth as a church. When we exercise our spiritual gifts together, um, there'll be times where actually then you need to rest down. There'll be times that you need to rest. Sometimes that'll be just because actually it's been a bit intense and you don't want to burn out. You don't want to overstretch. Over and sometimes it'll be because actually something more profound than just going to the gym has happened. And let's say I've broken my arm, okay? Which I haven't. Don't worry. It's fine. Let's say I've broken my arm. If I then go out the next day and I'm like trying to make my arm do all the same work it used to do, is that going to help anything? No. In this picture of a body... Everyone involved doesn't mean all of us working like dogs all the time for the kingdom of God. It means all of us supporting each other. It means when one part is struggling, the rest of us gather around and do this 
and hold each other and have patience and wait for the healing to happen. So this isn't, everyone involved isn't about everyone get to work. Come on, people, let's build the kingdom of God. Some of us might need that. But some of us need, actually, your role in this community at the moment is to be held by the others. That's what everyone involved looks like. Your role is to be humble and accept that sometimes it's about carrying and sometimes it's about being carried. So we need to, again, this all just comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? We need to see each other. We need to have such grace for each other. When we look at each other, we need to see each other as people who the Spirit of God is on in power and anointed to bring something that no one else can bring to this community. Think how that would change how we look at each other all the time. And then we need to be love together. We need to model this kingdom in love. So, I think I've talked for a long time, and I think we should pray. Is that good? Yes. Oh, Lord, I'm just so aware that we've kind of scratched the surface here. And because we're talking about this mysterious, beautiful, creative thing that you call the church, where you call us to be (laughs) so much more than on our own we can be. Lord, if we took you out of the equation here, this would just be a club. And we'd just be trying to self-preserve and trying to make things happen because we want to keep the thing going. Lord, we don't want to be about that at all. We want to be um, what you call us to. We want to play our part in you bringing your new life and your new creation to the whole earth, to the whole cosmos. And so, Lord, I first want to pray that you would pour out your love into our hearts. Like, like it's, I think it's in 1 John, he says that. The Spirit of God is there to pour out the love of God into our hearts. And so I pray for more of that in my heart. I pray for more of that in all of us, that you would pour out your love into our hearts. You pour out the way that you see us into our hearts and the way that you see those around us into our hearts. Pray that we would have more and more of a sense that we belong to each other, that this community isn't just like-minded people gathering, but my gosh, we're family. And so I pray for more of that. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who's ever felt a message in church that is you don't matter or you don't have a part to play. And I want to pray that you'd undo that and that you'd speak your value over those people. If that's you, the, the Lord just wants to tell you that that's a lie. That wasn't a prophetic word, it's just truth. He wants to tell you that that's a lie. And then, Lord, I want to pray for all that's kind of dormant in this room. For the holy, for the spiritual gifts that we've forgotten to fan into flame. For the skills and talents that we've thought there's not really place for in church. Wherever that's happened, Lord, we repent as a body. And we want to seek you again. We want to be open and um, open to what you're doing. Lord, we really don't want to be a stained glass window with bits missing. We really don't want to be a jigsaw with pieces that aren't, in, that aren't in the right place or that aren't there. And so we pray that you would bring your purposes about us. We pray that you would unify us as one body with one Lord 
with one hope, who come to one table, who enter through one baptism. Lord, would you, like we just sung earlier, would you make us one? I pray that when people look at this community, they would see the subversive, world-changing message at play in our lives, not just spoken at the front, but at play in everything we do. So more of you, Holy Spirit. I don't even know what I'm asking when I say that, but more of you, Holy Spirit. More of what you have to do among us. More of your encouragement, more of your newness, more of your life, more of your growth. Make us the body that you want us to be. Make us the bride that is ready for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.